All right. Well done. Excellent engagement, most of you. You can find your seat again. Find somebody else's seat. Lay on the floor. All right. Okay. Well, welcome. So glad that you're here at the Vineyard again. Glad to have you all. Um, this is as orange as I get, but Steve, hey, Steve, I wore orange just for you. All right. I'll have more things to say about Steve later in the message. <clears throat> um, welcome. I want to start with a confession this morning. It's not too dastardly. So I, um, I made up a word this morning, uh, directional dysphoria. I just popped, I just made it up this morning. Sometimes this is what happens to me. I'm very bad with directions. I will sometimes, this just could be age, so some psychiatrist is going to come up and say, you're in trouble, pal, but... Sometimes I will come up to a crossroads, and for an instant, I will not know where I am. Some of you are going like, I know exactly what that feels like. I mean, it's just for an instant. It just, I just, all of a sudden, like, I don't know where I am. I don't know which way to go. I don't know anything. And it, it doesn't last too long. Usually, I'll see a landmark, and I'll recognize, oh, okay. Or I'll just simply turn the wrong way and then correct that later on. I'm good at repenting when it comes to directions. Here's the deal. Sometimes it is easy to get lost, and sometimes you just need that sign in your life that says, you are here. You know that? So I titled the message, You Are Here. I did that back on Tuesday. Jane and I were, uh, Jane and I were driving back from Nashville yesterday, and we, I'm looking for coffee because we've been up with our kids the whole night before. I'm tired. Jane says, there's a coffee place in a couple miles we go. I'm always asking, is it right off the exit, you know? She's like, it's pretty close. <laughs> Five miles <laughs> right off the exit. We get to this coffee shop. It's really nice looking. It has good coffee. We walk into the coffee shop, five, six, five in the afternoon, I don't know. Up on the wall of the coffee shop, as large, larger than me, it says, you are here. <laughs> and I turned to Jane and I said, thank you. <laughs> I needed the confirmation that at least I got the, the title of the message right for this one. It is challenging to get where you're going if you don't know where you are. I think uh, the cat says to Alice in Wonderland, if you don't know where you're going, any road will take you there or something like that. But that's a different message. <clears throat> We're going to start a short series this morning. We're just calling it Journey of the Soul. It's not a particularly creative because it's the name of a book, Journey of the Soul, that uh, as a couple of our teaching team have been reading. And what we want to talk about over the next seven weeks is the stages of faith along the journey of following Jesus. How do you know where you are in your life with Jesus? How do you know which way to turn in your life with Jesus? How do you know what's the next step in your life with Jesus? How do, you, how do you know what are the emotional and the spiritual and the practical aspects of your life with Christ that affect the way you walk with yourself, with God, and with others? Um, it's sometimes good to know what it is that's hindering you from moving forward. You ever find that place in your life, either emotionally or spiritually, and you realize, I'm, I'm not moving forward, but I don't know what's blocking me. I, I don't know what's really happening in my life, but I just feel like I can't connect with God, 
or I'm, I'm feeling a little bit lost, or I feel a little scared or confused. So we're going to talk the next seven weeks about stages of faith on the journey. The words and the descriptions I will use for the stages of faith are not in the Bible. It's okay. Don't throw anything at me. Um, you, you, I'll say words and you'll say, that's not in the Bible, and you're right. But what you will see is that every stage of faith that we talk about, from meeting Jesus at the beginning to the glorious union at the end of our lives when we you know, actually live with Jesus eternally in heaven, we will see those in the Scriptures. We'll be looking at people in the Scriptures and concepts in the Scriptures that help us understand where we are on our journey of faith so that as a community, we can recognize what are we called to next and how do we help each other. Um, we're talking about, really, the care of the soul. How is it that we care for our souls on this journey with Jesus? First Peter 2, it says that Jesus has become the overseer and the shepherd of our souls. Psalm 23, it's the, it's, you know, the shepherd psalm. He leads us. He restores our soul. And so we want to know, what does it mean to walk with Jesus faithfully wherever we are in our lives so that we're living in a healthy state of soul? So we need to take just a minute and try to figure out what is a soul. I am not the philosopher. I'm, I'm, I'm not giving you, this is forever and ever, amen, the, the perfect truth. But for the sake of our series in the next seven weeks, we're going to talk about the soul as the whole embodied person. Okay? Your soul is your whole embodied person. Um, when your soul is healthy, it integrates all the dynamics of your personality, your thoughts, your emotions, your body, your relationships. A healthy soul connected to God and the Holy Spirit allows you to integrate those things and you walk in health. You walk in the life of God. You walk in the love of God. Our soul is like an inner stream of water that gives strength and direction and harmony to, to every aspect of our lives. If you've ever met a believer and you just think they seem so integrated, they seem so whole, that's a healthy soul. The place that connects our body with the Spirit of God and connects us with heaven itself. So we are these spiritual beings walking around as souls before God. And we want to be healthy souls before God. When that inner stream, when the Holy Spirit moving in us, restoring consistently our soul is, uh, is working as it should, we have access to constant refreshment. You know, Jesus, John 7, he says, um, if anyone's thirsty, let him come to me and drink. And if he believes in me, as the scripture said, from his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. That's, that's the life of Jesus going through a soul by the power of the Holy Spirit, giving constant refreshment, constant energy, constant empowerment and life out into the world. So Jesus is the shepherd of our souls. Jesus is the guide on this journey of, uh, of growth in our faith. And the stages that we're going to talk about are like a map for the spiritual journey of the soul. Led by, uh, loved by God, led by Jesus, and empowered by the Holy Spirit. So a, a lot of this material comes from a book 
which might flash up there right there, Journey of the Soul. This is not our new Bible, okay? This is just um, some really um, healthy lovers of Jesus um, who have put together, they've been doing um, counseling and biblical theology and spiritual direction for many, many years. And they put together a way to look at stages of faith for the Christian. Now, it's not the only one. There are other people in all through the years ways to look at stages of Christian faith. We're just going to choose this one. This one, the, the stages happen to spell out Christ, which is a little cheesy. I get that. But it will help you to remember what the stages are. Um, we're talking about stages of faith we move through from the very beginning of our relationship with Jesus when we first believe receive his love and his grace, forgiveness, and his power toward that place of Christian maturity where the life of Jesus is being maximally lived out, both in and through us. Make sure you hear this. We're not talking about a linear. You know, you become a Christian and you go through 82 steps and then you're perfect and then God takes you. Anyone know that's not how it works? If anyone thinks that how it, that's how it works, write the book because I want to read it. It's not how it works. So picture, rather than a linear progression, picture maybe a 3D spiral where we meet Jesus and then progressively we become more like him. We communicate with others in the faith. We get into the scriptures. We're filled by the Holy Spirit. We walk through healing and we kind of go between the stages through our lives until we become more and more mature as believers. Um, the writers of this book, Journey of the Soul, they actually link this, these stages of faith with the most famous psalm in the Bible, Psalm 23. So I'd encourage you over the next seven weeks, live in Psalm 23. If, you, if you've memorized perfectly, uh, you know, um, Colossians 1, 15 to 23, like we did in our prayer room series, I now give you pastoral permission to move along into the psalms and Maybe you want to memorize Psalm 23. Maybe you want to live in the shepherd psalm for the next six or seven weeks. You can read it through a different lens of where you are on your life journey with Jesus. So let me pray for us, and then I'm going to jump in. I'm going to briefly describe the stages and then give us some exhortation into how we open ourselves to God in the midst of this. God, thank you. Um, thank you that we are not alone, that saints have gone before us, that saints are with us. Thank you, God, that we here in Christ are saints and that you are doing the glorious work of sanctification even as we speak. Holy Spirit, will you come and give us grace to hear and to understand, to discern, to know where we are, so that we can keep our eyes fixed on Jesus and keep walking toward him. We pray in his name. Amen. So we're looking at um, six stages of faith with sort of a, a funny business in the middle that I'll get to and talk to you about. So stage one, confidence in Christ, the C stage. When we receive God's Holy Spirit, we, we put our faith in Jesus. We come into a relationship with God. We come to Jesus and we're saved. That's a, the first stage of faith. Nobody has a spiritual journey with Jesus that doesn't begin with, with encountering Jesus 
as Savior. Seeing him for who he is, Savior of the world, King of the universe. That's the C stage. Uh, second is the, the H stage, help in discipleship. So in this stage, and maybe you can remember in your own life, you've just come to Christ and then somebody is with you and they're helping you become a follower of Jesus. So you're growing in God's grace through community with other believers. You know, you're, you're eating up the scriptures. You're practicing spiritual disciplines. You're praying. You're, you're fasting. You're uh, connected to the church. You're serving in some way in the church. We're being formed in our faith. So confidence in Christ, we come to him. Help in discipleship, we begin to learn what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Then comes the responsibilities in ministry stage, the R stage. It becomes for believers an honor to use our gifts to serve God and others in the church or in our family or in the community or at our jobs. But we're prone to get in trouble uh, by being a little overly ambitious during this stage or relying on ourselves rather than the Spirit of God. I can tell you many, many embarrassing stories of my life during that stage of my faith formation where I just thought I was all that in a bag of chips and I was you know, really going to go for it. And here's where I will let you know. Sometimes we circle back to stages. So sometimes I find myself going right back to that place where I think I've got it all and I don't need God. So just another indicator. It's not linear. We jump around here. That's the re responsibilities and ministry stage. Often in that stage of faith formation for the believer, oh, some blockage comes up, some challenge comes up in our lives. Maybe it's overwork. Maybe it's spiritual dryness. Maybe it's a faith crisis. Maybe something happens in our lives. There's a, a tragedy of some sort. And um, we, we find ourselves at what uh, many people in spiritual formation just call the wall. Just a place where I don't know how to go any further with God. I don't know how to connect with God. If, um, if you were here in the church the last year or two, you probably remember Randy standing up here for a couple of months or years, sort of pounding against the spiritual wall. Still the life of God coming out of me, but my personal sense of, God, I don't know where you are. I don't know how to keep going. This is hard. Um, often this happens in the R stage when we're in responsibilities in ministry, and it's worked through in the next stage, the I stage, the inner journey. Now, the beautiful reality is that we, we all start the inner journey as soon as we meet Jesus. Jesus comes into the house that is our... Hi. <laughs> Malachi has a word from the Lord. If you're going to get a word from the Lord, don't you want it to come from someone named Malachi? Better than Job. No offense if you're deciding to name your child Job. That's... Again, we're talking about a, a place in your faith formation where it gets challenging to connect with God. Where is he? What am I, what am I doing? And it, it can be stirred by lots of things. Um, we're, we're not... We're not 
trying to stick everyone in some formula by going through these uh, stages of faith formation. This isn't a process for perfection. This isn't an assembly line. We're not trying to roll out Ford one, you know, F-150s here. We're individual souls before God on a journey to heaven with Jesus. And he, the great shepherd, leads us. In many ways, he leads us similarly, but everyone's experience with God will be different. That's the beauty of it and why it's so awesome to be a family in God because we can connect with one another. We can learn from one another's journeys and we can help one another on our journeys. So that's the inner journey. We're beginning to learn in a deeper way new intimacy with God. If we get stopped at the wall, we're, we're kind of plunging down and we get the, um, receive the courage to share our emotions, our struggles, even our, our struggles, <laughs> even our sin. <laughs> it's a very interactive crowd we have here this morning. And the inner journey, we're, we, we've got the courage to begin to talk about people, to people about, here's how I'm struggling. Here's where sin has a grip on me still, even though I've been a believer for 20 years. And, and when we uh, have the courage to go inward, not to try to fix ourselves, but to open every inner space to the Holy Spirit, growth and health happens. We begin to see some of the false sources of strength or skewed ways of living and moving in the world that come from broken childhoods. Every one of us has one of those and living in a broken world. This is a stage where we're pursuing healing. And my experience, this inner journey started when I met Jesus, and it, I know it keeps going until at least after you're 57. <laughs> and my guess is it never ends because God is continually revealing himself inside, and we are being transformed on the inside into the image of Jesus. The next stage is spirit-led ministry. That's the S stage. You kind of come through that wall, having dealt with some of the inner journey things, and now you learn a new way of serving, not working for God in our own strength, but by working with God, with the power of the Holy Spirit. This is, this is working with Jesus in the easy yoke of Jesus, more and more dependent upon the power of the Holy Spirit. And the final stage is the transforming union stage. Our life and our work become increasingly about practicing, practicing the presence of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Increasingly about being living in the presence and, and letting the presence of God radiate through us. Sort of uh, that need to constantly defend and, and keep ourselves and manage our, our, um, our outside, what people think of us on the outside, that kind of slips away. And Jesus is shining through us. So those are the seven stages of faith. Real, real briefly, confidence in Christ, help in discipleship, responsibility in ministry. At some point, that, that wall. And then on the, the inner journey to spirit-led ministry and transforming union. Now, a couple of thoughts about those stages. Again, that progression through the Christ stages of faith is, is not linear, but it's kind of circular. And you'll hear those and you'll think, man, I don't know where I am. That, that's okay. Part of the reason we're doing this series is for, to help us all figure out, where am I so I know 
what might be blocking my movement forward in Christ? Or how can I be helped? What resources do I need to continue growing in my relationship with Jesus? Even if at some point we, some of us, get to that transforming union stage, um, we're having ecstatic experiences, you know, with Jesus every day, day and night. Still, even that is just an invitation to come right back to the beginning and encounter Jesus like a new believer every day. And I'm, I'm not saying that, that for me and Jane, I'm not saying our marriage is perfect. Don't hear that. But I can tell you that at this stage of our marriage, after 35 years, when she walks in the room, I, I still light up. I'm still like, oh, there she is. In fact, I mean, I'm just going to tell myself. I texted her the other day. She walked in the room. We were in a meeting, and I just texted and said, I, it just makes me feel so happy when you walk in the room. That's not just, you know, scoring points as a husband. I think I did, but... <laughs> no, it's because in our relationship, I still feel that way. And it is like that in our relationship with God. We can still feel that. So you might get to this ecstatic place with Jesus, but you want to wake up every morning and say, Jesus, you're there again. I love you all over again. I mean, you've met people that just bubble over with the joy of the Lord. That's the fruit of relationship. All true ministry comes out of intimacy. And, that, and that's what this is about. Okay. Stop. Take a breath. <sighs> There are at least two significant temptations. As I was working through this, putting this together, I thought there are two things we can be easily tempted by at this point. Number one, you hear stages of faith and they, they spell out Christ and you see a book and you think, you know what, that's a bunch of bunk. I don't want to have anything to do with that. That sounds like formulaic. You want to stuff me into the thing. You want to sell books. You want to do a program, whatever. Um, we're, we're not trying to process believers like Amazon packages, you know. We're not just trying to get it all out there. Um, so if you think this is some sort of psycho-spiritual, we're trying to get you all into our thing, just forget that, all right? That's not what this is about. Temptation number one, tune out. Don't do it. Can I get an amen? All right. Most of you didn't tune out. Temptation number two, all right? This, this is probably where, where I would be more likely to find myself. This is it. This is my salvation. This is the book that will finally change my life. Do you know both those temptations? Like, eh, whatever. This is it. I found the way to heaven. This is also not that. So don't do that. Don't buy 10 of the books. Don't memorize the book. It's not about the book. Only Jesus can make you like Jesus. This is not about follow these practices and then you'll be a perfect disciple. Only Jesus can make you like Jesus. You can't create or recreate yourself. Any more than PG-13 here, any, any more than an egg and a sperm can meet together and decide what they want to be. They don't do that. No. They are happened to supernaturally. God brings them together and creates a unique individual out of them. The best that egg and sperm can do is show up at the right place at the right time. 
with a good attitude. <laughs> and then life happens to them. Do you understand what I'm saying? Life happens to them. I want to avoid any thought that like, well, now I got this all figured out. I'll just go through the stages and everything will be peachy. No. No. We put ourselves, spiritual disciplines are the practice of, our, of putting ourselves in the place and doing the things so that we're open to God to come and do what only God can do, which is make us like his son, Jesus. What we can do as a three-year-old or a five-year-old or an eight-year-old or an 80-year-old is imitate Jesus. We can look at the life of Christ and say, I'm going to do it like he did. We can look at disciples and followers of Jesus and learn from them. Oh, that makes sense. At this part in the journey, oh, that really helped you. Oh, at this point, oh, yeah, that's good. That's really helpful. We can do that. The other thing we can do is we can rely on God's grace at each stage of faith to grow in our relationship with God no matter where we are. Hopefully, over the next seven weeks, this, this uh, discussion of stages of faith will help us accept the grace of God to be where we are. Some of us need that. Just accept the grace of God to be where you are and the courage to move ahead. I mean, life in God is about being and doing. It's not one before the other and they don't fight each other, right? We are consistently who we are in Christ where God has us and we're taking steps. And then there we are where God has us and we're taking steps. We're marrying being and doing because that's the gospel. The reality of God's acceptance of us in Jesus, we can do nothing to earn his favor. And the empowering Holy Spirit that sends us into the world to do things we could never do because the Holy Spirit's in us. So we're hoping that along the way in these next seven weeks, together we will learn that following Jesus is a journey. It's, it's about, uh, you know, following him along the way. It's a wonderful journey. It's joyful. It's painful. It's challenging. It's awe-inspiring. It's life-changing. It's eternity-altering. And everyone has a personal journey, but God called us to do it as a church together. So we're going to we're going to go for it. I hope you will receive the grace to be okay with where you are. Don't hear me say, I'm settling in. But receive the grace to be where you are because where you are right now, God is. Think about that. Where you are right now, God is. Think of Henry Nowen that said in one of his billion books or something, God doesn't love you as you're meant to be. He loves you as you are because you never will be as you're meant to be. He doesn't love you as you should be. He loves you as you are. And then he loves you so much that you don't stay as you are because he changes you. We were in our uh, staff, we had a staff planning and prayer time this, this week and Kara, hi Kara. Kara, our worship pastor, we were just chit-chatting, I think, and she, she just comes out with this line. She says, where there's something in the kingdom, there's always more. And I just kind of, I don't know, I don't know who was saying what or what. I just said, Kara, what did you say? 
She's like, you know, it seems like wherever there's something in the kingdom and it's of God, there's always more. And I thought, it's brilliant. It's such a, a way to help us to be present to what God is doing. You know, you, it's like a burning bush. Oh, there's something happening. I wonder if there's more. Yeah, you'll probably meet God over there. You see something in the kingdom and God always asks you, invites you into more, more encounter with Jesus, more experience of his power, more sharing of his suffering, more uh, encounters with his love. It's okay to be where you are. I hope that we'll begin to learn that in growth and in life, there are times when we have to accept where we are. There, we have to become aware of where we are. We have to accept where we are, and then it's time to take action. If we're not aware, we can't do anything about what's keeping us from moving on with Jesus. If we don't accept the brutal facts, we have no authority to bring change. But if we're just aware and we finally accept and we take no action, no change happens. So we'll be kind of walking through those in all the stages. I hope that you as a follower of Jesus here will recognize as you hear us go through these stages of faith, I am not alone. I mean, in, that, in, that, uh, in another meeting, Ian said, you know, it seems like as he works with youth, but with humans, right? It seems like the strategy of the enemy is always to pull out, to isolate, and then to communicate this lie, you're all alone. It's just you. I mean, it, it, does it sound familiar? That's the enemy. You're, all, you're on your own. It's all up to you. You probably won't be able to do it. It's just like Elijah. You know, Elijah has this huge power encounter with God. God comes down, licks up water, burns things, right? And three days later, Elijah's like, I'm the only one. I'm all by myself. That's the enemy that always wants to, to tell you, you you are different. No, you're the one. And I mean, I've known that all my life. And, and the healthier I get, the more I realize no, everyone's as weird as I am. Everyone has their places of brokenness. The more honest we can be about that, we get to invite light and life and Jesus into those areas of brokenness. In a very real way, the journey of the soul is a journey from union with Jesus to union with Jesus. So I just went through the stages, confidence in Christ all the way to transforming union. But in many ways, it's just beginning union to complete union. Ian spoke a couple of weeks ago about what it means to be complete in Christ, right? When you come into a relationship with Jesus, you are perfect in the eyes of God. You are unconditionally loved and accepted. There's nothing that you can do to make God love you more to make God love you less. You are full and complete in Christ right from the beginning. And at the same time, you're becoming more and more like Christ on the outside. We call that sanctification, being continually set apart to be more and more like Jesus. And I just guess I'm stuck on the marriage analogies, but it's like marriage. On the day that you get married, what's your status? I want you to say a word. Married, right? Not like 80% married. Not like 92% married. I'm pretty much married. 
No, you are fully and completely married day one. When I say you, when I say you are because you said I do, you're married. You have all the benefits of marriage. Bingo, you are married. Forty years later, your status has not changed, assuming you made good choices along the way. No judgment. Forty years later, your status has not changed, but your relationship is really different. You, you don't have a clue when you say yes here. Forty years later, you got lots of clues. Hopefully, your relationship is deeper and stronger and more intimate and more accepting and all sorts of things. But it's like that with Jesus. We get it all right off the bat, and then we grow and we grow and we grow and we grow. So that 20, 30, 40, 50, 80 years later, we're becoming more and more unified with Jesus the King. At every stage, there are things we need to be aware of, things we need to accept, and things we need to act upon. There are things that we need from others, and there are things that we can give away. Um, I think as we go into the series, one of the questions I want you to be asking yourself is, where am I, and what do I personally need or need to do so I can stay on this journey with Jesus and keep growing? Maybe seven, eight years ago, I can't remember... Jane and I got to go on a trip to Italy, and our kids were with us. And um, we didn't know what we were doing. We, there were some mountains, and we wanted to climb the mountains. And it seemed like a good idea at the time. So we drive in from one place in Italy to another place in Italy. We get at the bottom of this big mountain. Someone had said, that's nice up there. And um, so it's like maybe 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock in the afternoon. It's a little rainy. It's a little cold. And... Um, I say to my son, who at that point is probably 19 or something, hey, Ben, do you think we can do that today? Oh, yeah, Dad. No problem, you know. So we all decide we're going to hike up to this little hut on the top of this mountain. So we're, we're having a blast. Everyone's happy for about the first hour, two hours, three hours, four hours. It's starting to get dark. We're starting to get hungry. And my wife and I, just honestly, we're losing it we were lacking the energy to go any further. And so we get to this point, we have a little map, and, you know, they're saying, you're probably two more hours up to that. And Jane and I are looking at each other and thinking, we can't do this, you know. So we look on our map, there's another little hut, maybe 30 minutes this way. So we just said to the kids, we have a reservation up there. Tell them we said hi. We're not going to make it. So we, we veer off the trail, and we end up at this, at this little hut. They didn't have any room for us. We didn't know what we were going to do. And the woman at the hut says, um, oh, I know the people up there. We'll, we'll, we'll call for you. So the woman calls from this hut down here to this hut up here. And the woman up on top, her name's Judith. We've gotten to know her now. Judith says, oh, I'll send my son for you in the Land Rover. And we're like, sweet. So our kids are walking at this point with their packs and they're sweating and, it's, you know, and we're sitting down there having a hot cocoa, I think, maybe a piece of cake or something. And Judith sends her son down. His name is Michael, uh, from then on to be known to us as Michael the Archangel. And, and the woman at the hut, she says, if you walk out through the cows and go over the stream and a bridge and up, you'll hit a road and Michael will be there 
in a Land Rover, a white Land Rover. So Michael comes down, he, he, he gets us on the road, we get in the back of the Land Rover, we're like saved, you know? So we're sitting in the back of the Land Rover and we're looking backwards. And what happens next? We pass our kids. <laughs> he didn't stop, you know? We're just sitting in the back and the kids, we, you know, the kids are doing this, you know? And Jane and I are like, <laughs> we soared right we soared right by. I mean, you're only 19 once, right? We get up there, we see them come over the top because we're already, you know, changed and have our rooms and we're like, hey, you know, and they all come in. What's, what the, why am I telling you all this? Well, let me tell you the rest of that part. So, <laughs> so finally, when everyone gets up there, we're there like 10 minutes before dinner is supposed to start. And it was one of those nights, it was one of those things you can't plan on a vacation. You know, have you ever had maybe one of those? I think we've had one. You just can't plan it. You can't find it on the internet and have this experience. We walk in, there are 30 drunk Bavarians. <laughs> I am not exaggerating. There are 30 drunk Bavarians. They've been drinking since probably 1 o'clock when they got there because it took them two hours to do the hike. And they're singing and dancing, and a guy's playing a guitar, and... The, the older women are getting the younger men in our group, and they're all dancing around. A guy comes out with a hat on and an alpenhorn, and he's blowing. There's, what do you call this thing? Accordions. It, it was unbelievable. I mean, the time, we still have videos of that, that time and think that was just God, you know. How did we get there? We, we saw some place we wanted to go. At some point, Jane and I recognized we accepted the brutal facts. We can't do it. We cannot do it on our own. We're not going to make it. We had to veer off. Completely dependent upon resources that we had no control over. And who do we meet? This woman who has a connection, I'm thinking prayer, who has a connection to Judith. Judith sends the resource, the archangel Michael, in his 19 who-knows-what Land Rover. And he takes us up the mountain so that we can greet our kids there and have this time of joy and reverie. I mean, and true, like, fellowship with our children. It's not the way we planned it. And the only reason it happened that way is because we were willing to say, we can't do it. We can't go any farther. We need help. And we humbled ourselves to say, can you help us? And I just see God sent us the resources for that reunion and that joy. We couldn't plan it again, maybe. Here's my point in all of that. Sometimes we just have to face the brutal facts of where we are. Where are you in your, in your life with Jesus? What is it that's blocking you? Where are you tired? Where are you lacking resources? What do you need? Sometimes the hardest thing to do as a Christian is to say, I'm in trouble. It's certainly hard as a pastor, but it's, I think it's hard as a follower of Jesus, you know. I'm in need. I don't have it all figured out. I don't understand. As soon as we do that, I think God, I mean, the Scripture says that God lives with the contrite to encourage them, to refresh them. And it's what God wants to do with us, each and every one of us, wherever we are along the journey. Let's pray. If you want to stand, and I could ask the ministry team to come forward. I want to pray for us. Ministry team, if you could walk forward. I don't know what your need is this morning, but God knows what your need is. 
And so maybe you have a need for healing of some sort. Maybe it's physical healing. Maybe it's spiritual healing. Maybe it's emotional healing. You just, you need God. You need God to interact with you. I'd, I'd encourage you just after I pray and music plays that you would just um, come forward and let someone on the ministry team pray for you. Maybe you have never actually met Jesus. And this is the day you realize, I, I want to know God. I don't know what it means to know God, but I want to meet Jesus. I want to be on the journey towards heaven. I would love to talk to you or anyone on the ministry team. Any need that you have, don't be shy. Come and let somebody pray for you or someone that you came from. Let's pray. God, thank you for your encouragement to us this morning. Thank you for being Jesus, the shepherd of our souls. We trust you. We ask you, Jesus, that you lead us. Holy Spirit, come and show us where we need to be aware in our lives of what's happening. God, what is it that we need to accept in our lives? Stop fighting against. Lord, where is it that you would call us to take action and to choose change? We trust you to lead us and to heal us in the name of Jesus. Amen. If you'd like someone to pray for you, come on forward, talk to anyone on the ministry team. If you'd like um, someone to pray for you at the personal prayer art tables, just go over there and people will line up and they would love to to, um, listen to the Lord on your behalf. So glad that we get to be here together, go in peace to love and serve the Lord. Amen.